John 10, 10, you know, uh, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come to bring life. He has come to bring life to us. And um, I guess he's asking us to, when he says, I've, I've come to bring life, there's the question there for us is, do we have life? Are we living in life? Or are we living in that, uh, with, with that sense of the devil is actually winning over my life <laughs> because it's um it's such a creeping passive thing around our lives the demonic realm actually wants to take us out and bring death to us and we can uh go through life day by day just uh, you know passively submitting to the demonic realm and and passively uh just forgetting to live in a, in a position of life. You know, Jesus comes to bring life. Jesus comes to bring life. But the devil, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's not awesome. That is not a good plan. And I just want um, to pray right now, just before we start, that God would release a discernment over this house to know when we wake up in the morning that we wake up into a position of life. Let me just pray for you guys. Lord, I just thank you right now, God, that, that you are, are, are faithful. Your mercies are new every morning, Lord. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you've got a plan for our lives to bring life to bring life, God, when we wake up in our family, Lord, to take that life to work, Lord, to take that life to every situation, Lord, to take that life to oppression, Lord, whether it be financially, spiritually, physically, Lord, we declare that we are a church that stands for life and will come into the alignment of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, if, and if you are in this church and you, you are constantly feeling cornered, then please, please talk to someone. Please, please talk to a pastor. Talk to your connect group leader. We've got an incredible pastoral care group uh, network here as well. And we want to see people come out of those corners that we can get trapped in. And because when you're in a corner, you know that you're not living in a place of freedom. So that's my sermon this morning. Let's go home. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, um... Uh, we we are going to unpack it, the theme this year and, and camp around being established in love. Um, this morning, I, I just have a story that I want to share with you uh, from the Bible, a Jesus story that really is about, um, it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to us to, to live from a place and a position of being established in His love being established in his word, being positioned in surrender to obedience. It's a place that everything that we're going to give in this life comes from this, from this challenge that he brings uh, a young man. And before I get into that, I just uh, want to, I remembered a story uh, yesterday, or a story, an event actually that happened. Um, it, I just bought my uh, second racing dinghy it was a zephyr it was awesome it, it wasn't like a mark three zephyr or anything like that it was a hull it had a, it was a boat it was an amazing amazing awesome boat i used to love competitive racing sailing and um i remember everyone like the whole family came to watch me in my new boat and you know like pressure and because i was going into uh, my first race in this boat it was a new category um that i was uh, stepping up into and before the race though dad was like I just want to take you to take your brother out. 
just take your brother out and give him the experience of what it's like to, to sail. And it was a blasting easterly. And I was really unsure because to get out into, I sail on the WiMac, to get out actually onto the WiMac, you had to go out this narrow uh, channel and it was rocky. I don't know if you know the WiMac down there. There's like there's a rocky narrow channel and the blasting easterly and it's actually takes a little bit of skill to to get out. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do this, but there's like do it. I'm like, okay. And so Duncan hops in, in the in the boat with me. And now this boat is actually a, it's just for one person to sail. It's not actually you don't race with two people in this boat, so it's very tippy, very, very tippy. And um, as soon as he hopped in, I knew that it was all over. He unbalanced the boat. We scooted straight across the other side and crashed into the rocks. <laughs> Boom! Crunch! Went my beautiful uh, plywood hull. And um, I threw him out, basically, after that. And um, taped up the, up the boat. And once he was out, I just... It wasn't a problem. I just honed in straight out into into the deeper channel when I was off, and I joined uh, the the other boats on the starting line. And um, the thing about sailing is that balance is absolutely essential to optimizing the the speed of the boat and to whether or not you're going to capsize. You know, one minute when you're uh, when you're sailing and it's a blasting wind, you're hiking out. It's cool. You're leaning out, or you might be on a trapeze if you're in a and you're like right out. And then if the wind dies then all that pressure that was hitting the sail, it's gone. And you need to get back in quick because it's going to come down on you because the balance of power is actually really, really important when you're sailing a boat. It's really, really important. And, and Jesus calls us to be people who are balanced with his power. Not balanced with our power, but balanced with his power. So we've got um, Matthew 19 this morning. This is the story of the, the rich young ruler. And if we've got this up on the screen as well. Thanks, Maddie. I'm going to read this to you. Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? This is a good question. Why do you ask me what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, you should not murder. You should not commit adultery. You should not steal. You should not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and, le- and love your neighbor as yourself. Sweet. All of these I have kept, the, the young man said. But what do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the rich young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Do you know, um, this is the only instance in the Bible where Jesus asks uh, uh, someone to give away everything to the poor. I remember reading this verse and going, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get to that point of surrender. <laughs> How am I going to give away everything to the poor? But this isn't, this isn't a benchmark for us to live up to. He's not asking all of us just to go out and give everything away to the poor. The thing about Jesus is that he will always specifically minister to the need in our heart. He will always specifically minister to the need of the individuals. For this guy, the need in his heart was to relinquish what he was holding on to, 
was to relinquish his position of power, to relinquish that thing that was overbalancing his life. See, on the surface, this guy had a lot going for him. He was a good guy. He was, he was the man. He hadn't killed anyone, he said. And that's one of the first things we ask our interns when they uh, start here with us. So we're like, sweet. You can basically come and be an intern now that you haven't killed anyone. He wasn't sleeping around. There's a bonus point there. He valued the Word of God. These are good things. Like, yeah, they're good things, aren't they? He didn't steal. That's also amazing. He spoke truthfully. He honored his parents, and he totally loved his neighbors. What a good guy. He's a man. In his community, he was probably seen as the role model. Yeah. Mums would say to their sons, I hope that you grow up just like that one day. Or they might say to their daughters, I hope that you marry a guy like that. This guy would have been the kind of guy that most people would aspire to have around their lives. They would aspire to have, I mean, we want to kind of hang out with successful people. We want a little bit of that to rub off on us, don't we? (laughs) I'm just speaking myself here. Let's call this guy Mr. Clever. He was Mr. Clever. Has anyone not heard of the Mr. Men series? Maddie, can we just have that up? Not heard of the Mr. Men series? So, the Mr. Men series. I loved the Mr. Men growing up. I had the whole series. Anyone loved the Mr. Men? They were cool. These guys, though, were defined by their behavior. We have. We've got Mr. Funny up here. Say hi to Mr. Funny. We've got Mr. Grumpy. Yeah, Jared. <laughs> Don't say hi to anyone, hopefully. Mr. Happy. We've got Mr. Helpful. He's awesome. We've got Mr. Bump. Oh, a little Miss Helpful. Yeah. Oh, there we go. I knew that girls were going to make an appearance somewhere in there. Just, yeah, yeah. Behind every good Mr. is a good Mrs., right? <laughs> okay, Mr. Bump. Uh, we've got Mr. Noisy. Oh, there's another Mrs. here. We've got Mrs. Sunshine. Isn't that lovely? We've got Mr. Tickle. Yeah, he looks like a fun guy to be around. Oh, this is a nice one. Miss, miss Victim. Little Miss Victim. Oh, that's harsh. We've got Mr. Lazy. We've got Mr. Clever. Yeah, this is Mr. Clever. This is the guy that Jesus rocked up to. You never knew he looked like that, but that's actually how he looked. This is our guy. This is the story of Jesus meeting Mr. Clever. So Mr. Clever, remember, he has got moral success. He's got business acumen. He's got family connections. And he is a positive influence in his neighborhood. Yeah, high five, Mr. Clever. You are amazing. Yet Mr. Clever, get this, Mr. Clever has a gnawing sense of lack in his heart. He's got a gnaw. He's like, I just don't know if I'm clever enough. Because see, remember, Mr. Clever came to Jesus with the questions. Teacher, what must I do? What, must good, thi- what good thing must I do to get eternal life? What do I still lack? 
And I think we can identify with Mr. Clever on some level here. He's been trying really hard to do the right things and to be the right guy and to wear the right label and to get the balance right in his life. And Jesus is saying, look, man, I don't want you just to be Mr. Clever. I want you to be Mr. Radically Free. I want you to take it up a level and actually release all those things that you think make you awesome and become free. We've got a picture of Mr. Radically Free up there as well. Yeah, Mr. Free looks a lot like Mr. Loud, but with a different title. See, Jesus wants to change our label. He wants to change the label and redefine our lives. And do you know, we'll never be free if we connect our identity with the things that have an expiry date attached to them. We'll never be free if we connect our identity with things that have an expiry date attached to them. You know, that's a big thought, eh? It's like anything temporary, any one temporary, at some point in our lives, we have to let go. And Jesus, Jesus, that's why Jesus, build my life on the rock. Build your foundations not on the sand but on the rock. Because that rock is not going anywhere. And I think that in every point in our, in our lives, at some point in our lives, we will always be challenged about what are we attaching our identity to? Are we attaching our identity to things, people, or are we building our identity from the rock? And the amazing thing about building your identity from the rock, the most secure, the most strong, the most immovable thing, person, is that that will release to us incredible freedom. And I want to unpla- unpack a little bit of that. It says in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that God has put eternity into the hearts of man. Eternity. He's like, there's a longing for us to actually connect with someone of eternal value. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He has put eternity in your heart because you are going to be with Jesus Christ for eternity. He is, Jesus is not interested in giving us security in the things on earth that are only temporary. Our security is in Jesus. See, for Mr. Clever, sitting right next to his vision of being spiritual was his desire to accumulate. Accumulate. Was to accumulate enough stuff to remain secure without actually becoming free. And Jesus uncovered the lie that was in his life. And I'm not saying this is the lie that's in all of our lives. But for him, it was fulfillment doesn't happen through accumulation. That accumulating stuff and accumulating good deeds doesn't complete who you are. And so Jesus on that day to that rich, young, successful looking, Mr. Awesome guy, he gave him an invitation to throw some baggage overboard. Because Jesus could see that what he owned actually owned him. And we end up, when something owns up us, we end up serving what owns us. And Jesus is like, come on, that is a lesser thing than serving me, than following me, than knowing me. In Matthew 19, 21, it says this, that Jesus answered, 
if you want to be perfect. Go, sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And I just want to take three insights from this verse. Three insights from this verse and just, it's insights really of the human condition. I believe that Jesus shows this guy and just um, pull them out. Number one is that we have a desire for perfection. It's a weird word being perfect, being perfect. When you think of being perfect, you think of, like I always think back to school and getting the best marks. <laughs> but he's put a desire for, an, uh, for us to be perfect. The Greek word is talios for this word perfection. It, mean, it means this, it means completion, brought to its end, finished, human integrity and virtue, full grown and mature. That's a good word, isn't it? It's completion. It's wholeness. This was actually Mr. Clever's vision. This was him. He was like, we could say actually that your vision, Mr. Clever, was a pretty good vision. He wasn't bent on destruction. He was looking at becoming the complete man. He was just going around it the wrong way. In 1 John 4.18, it says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. That word perfect, once again, is the word teleos, complete love. We are made complete in his love. The fullness of the Father's love is always looking for permission to come into our lives. It is always, he is always looking for permission. And you can see in 1 John 4, 8, there's this exchange between fear and love. There's an exchange. Fear has to go for perfect love to be established. For perfect love to come in, it, it, it just removes fear. Fear, they can't, they're not best friends. They can't hang out on the weekends. They just can't live together. Fear and love. So to, to drive out fear, the truth of his love must be revealed to us or accepted by us. Because the truth will set us free. So the way that we receive his love is through believing in his love being the ultimate reality over our lives. And we could break that open, but I'm not going to go there today. But of the rich young ruler, love also was looking for permission to embrace his life. And in the, the gospel of Mark, this whole story is accounted for as well. But it says in Mark 10:21 of this rich young ruler, that Jesus looked at him and loved him. He looked at him and he loved him. He saw that an exchange needed to take place for him to embrace the fullness of complete love, of, of perfect love. He needed to make an exchange. And the permission he needed to give love to enter his life was surrendering selfishness and embracing generosity. That was the exchange, I believe, that, that Jesus was wanting to bring him into his life. Does that make sense? He wanted, he, he could see that this young man needed to surrender something so he could receive someone greater into his life. Because wholeness doesn't keep company with fear, religion, and selfishness. See, perfect love is always waiting for permission to access our world. We are made perfect in his love and complete in our identity. The second insight I want to pull from this is our invitation from Jesus to surrender. Give to the poor. 
surrender what you have. And like I said, he's not, I'm not putting that like give it all up on you today. But there's, there's a principle in here that he calls us to a posture of surrender because he says, surrender what you'll have and then you'll have treasure in heaven. I think there's a bit of a myth as well that you only have to surrender once as a Christian, but it's like, nah, I find myself surrendering a lot during my life. When you think of the word surrender, you think of war, don't you? I, I think of two armies, one wins, and the other one is annihilated or surrenders. <laughs> and it feels like in our lives that there's a war going on sometimes, isn't there? There's like this hidden struggle between light and darkness going on in our lives. And, what, you know, and Jesus is saying, surrender to my love. Surrender to my goodness. Surrender to my bigness. But to surrender to that, you have to release something to me. See, whatever owns us tends to control us. For us, surrendering can look like a, a bunch of a whole different things. It's not just getting down on your knees, waving the white flag and saying, it's over, Red Rover, I'm finished. I think surrendering can be different for where we are situated or positioned in our lives. Surrendering, there's a few things I want to put out here. Surrendering for you today could be believing in God's word when everything in the natural looks hopeless, taking a stand could be a posture of surrender for you today because you're surrendering hopelessness to stand in courage. You're surrendering unbelief to stand in faith. And so God wants to get us into a position of surrender. And, and it may just not be, like I said, just oh, I'm, I'm on the floor and I give up. It's a position of courage. Being surrendered today could mean being obedient to his word. I'm going to surrender my own will. I'm going to surrender my own desires. I am going to be obedient. Surrendering for you today could be saying sorry and asking for forgiveness. You need, maybe you need to surrender in a relationship and say, look, I am sorry. I actually have, I've said some dumb stuff and I just need to surrender my dumb stuff to you and say that I'm sorry. Surrender to you. Like this guy, it could be being generous. Surrendering could be like, I just need to surrender my stuff. I need to surrender that stuff, my empire, the things that I've built up to bring security around my life. I need to surrender that stuff. Surrender to you today could be considering someone else's opinion. It could be as simple as going, I need to consider someone else's opinion. Surrender could be just being honest about where you're at in life with someone else. That is a posture of surrender. Jesus links this young man's surrender with treasure in heaven. Whenever we surrender something to Jesus, we release a grace for heaven to be over our lives. We release ourselves, we, we, we release what we are holding on to, and we give our open hand to Jesus and say, here I am, here I am. I think that after we surrender to, to Jesus, we realized that we had been fighting against the best version of ourselves. Third thing is our desire to follow. The insight that Jesus brings here is that humanity has a desire 
to follow. He says, then come and follow me. Actually, quickly, did you hear that um, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook are amalgamating? <laughs> yeah, it's true. They're going to call it you Twitface. <laughs> I know, it's an oldie, but somebody hadn't heard it. <laughs> Humanity... Humanity is so crazy about following things. We have this internal longing to be a part of something, to be connected with something. You know, whether it's sport, whether it's movie stars, whether it's like, you know, stuff, politicians. Well, we want to follow people. I, I checked out online who are the most followed people on Twitter currently. So check this out. Write this down. This is very important. Katy Perry, she has got 51 million followers. <laughs> Justin Bieber, he's right there. He's in second place. He has got 50 million followers. And in third place, we've got President Obama. And he has got 41 million followers. Why are we so crazy about knowing what other people who don't aren't around us are up to? Like, what? Why uh, this next generation coming out? They just want to follow. They just want to follow someone that can that has influence in this world, and this crazy desire to follow. But there's a difference between following someone who is and being a fan of someone to recognizing someone who is significant and worthy of following and modeling our lives after. I looked on Time Magazine's top 100 most significant figures in history, and number one was Jesus. Number one was Jesus. Justin Bieber was there, <laughs> but he was currently ranked at 8,633. See, he is not significant. <laughs> he is popular, but he is not significant. And there's all these algorithms that they use to work out this online, and uh, it's very fascinating, and you could go and read that in your own time. Do you know, but there is, there is a difference between being a fan and a true follower. A fan knows about someone. A follower knows someone. A fan loves the fun, but a follower is willing to work. See, a fan is close enough to be associated with Jesus, but it is not quite close enough where it requires something of me. Knowing about Jesus doesn't give us a closer relationship with Jesus. See, Jesus said, give to the poor then come. Follow me. The invitation to follow Jesus comes with the price of surrender. And that looks completely different for each of us. The scary thing about surrendering and following is it usually feels like you're losing control of something. Letting go of control takes us out of our comfort zone. And this morning, I believe that God just wants to remind us 
that there is nothing greater to surrender and follow Jesus. That in surrendering and following him, we come into the completeness and the wholeness and the perfectness of his love. He calls us, his invitation to this rich young ruler, that it says at the end of this story that the rich young ruler, he went away sad because he had great wealth. It, it doesn't say that he went away, yeah, I got to give it all away. He went away sad, but it doesn't say also that that was the end of him because Jesus goes on from that uh, scripture and he says, you know, it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So he, he, he said this to his disciples and he released hope, I believe, into this guy's situation that God can do all things. He can do all things. He can shift our hearts. And today, if, if you're someone and you know that you have been just doing life, but also holding on to life, holding on. I'm holding, I just, I need to hold on. I need, I need to be known for my cleverness. <laughs> I need to be known for what I've got. I need people around me so bad for me to feel secure. Today, I want to ask you to give the permission to the Holy Spirit to let him show you what is right for you to surrender to him today because he wants to walk with you he's a gentleman he wants to create there's an exchange that needs to take place for his goodness to come in but he's and he gives you permission to welcome him in he gives you permission